the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Okay, good evening. It is lovely to see you and to be back here. I think Chris's description of the book of Amos is quite a good one. It's a confusing book. It's a puzzling book. It's probably a book that, if we're honest, is not the first one we turn to in our own times in the Bible. But in its hard-hitting prophecies, we find revealed so much of God's heart for justice. So much of his vision for what this world should look like. I think we find reflected back so many similarities with our own world. But beyond that, the key in Amos is that we get to hear God's roar for justice. In fact, in tonight's passage, we get to the very heart of the overarching theme for this series. We get to hear the cry of let justice roll. So we're going to read the passage together. If you've got a Bible in front of you, we are in Amos 5, 18. I'll give you a kind of flicking moment. It is also on the screen up there. Okay. Confusing and puzzling are probably two words that do go with this, but bear with. It goes like this. The day of the Lord. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear. As though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light? Pitch dark without a ray of light. I hate I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings forty years in the wilderness, people of Israel? You have lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you made for yourselves. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is God Almighty. As it has been for our whole series so far, I'd really like to keep verse 24 at the heart of everything that we are thinking about tonight. Some of that might be because rivers have played a much bigger part in my week than if you'd asked me last, this time last week, I thought they were going to. Um, this is where I work. And... Until last week, the idea of mighty rivers flowing and flooding was a great picture imagery. It's a lovely, poetic thing, right? And then Tuesday happened, and I came face to face with flooding torrents of water. 
And yes, it is now going to become one of my best dinner party anecdotes. My great escape from Newton Poppleford is going down in history. But it also, I think, is useful to give us an understanding of this image. This isn't when God calls for justice to roll like a river, a lovely meandering stream on a summer's day. It's not gently lapping at the edges of what it meets, making them a little bit damp. This is a raging torrent and flood that leaves nothing the same. that exposes every hole, every crack, every weakness it comes into contact with, that moves everything in its path and changes everything with its might and power. That is what it should look like for God's justice to roll like a mighty river. And as well as being a really powerful image, it gives us a clear thread that runs through this passage. God's need, shared by Amos, for justice to powerfully and completely overcome. So alongside that, to guide our kind of journey together, I'm going to focus on three words that you definitely know well but I'm going to twist them slightly. I'm assuming that holy, holy, holy is a phrase you know well. But tonight we're going to talk about holy, holy, holy. In this passage, we see that the religious practices and understanding of the people of God are failing. They are a facade and they are full of Holes. Holy. We see that God is not interested in superficial religion, but people who are wholly living for Him. And we see that the God of justice is holy. I am fully aware that over the week, the word holy, in all of its meanings, has slightly lost it in my brain um, through too much repetition. I'm hoping not to draw you into my madness, but rather that this is a kind of helpful guide as we make our way through what God has to say to us this evening. So, the first, holy. I wonder what you noticed at the beginning of the passage. It's a fairly doom and gloom picture. Verses 18 to 20 are full of woe and darkness and unexpected animal attacks. It's easy, I think, to want to let it kind of wash over us without dwelling here too long. If you're anything like me, Anything that suggests that you put your hand on the wall and then a snake bites you is not a place you want to be. But what point is Amos making with all of these horrible pictures? I think it's about serious misjudgment and misidentification. 
The man who flees a lion but meets a bear. The man who leans on a wall and is bitten by a snake are there to shock, but also to point us to what comes on either side. It says that day, that, that day will be darkness, not light. Pitch dark without a ray of brightness. The people of God, the people of Israel are saying that they long for the day of the Lord because they think it will go well for them. But Amos says, no, that day will be darkness. Often the Bible uses darkness and light as imagery to separate out wickedness and righteousness, evil from good. But here it seems to be something closer to disaster and safety. God's judgment and God's justice are coming on his people too. Why? Because the religious practices that they are hanging their faith on are not pleasing to God. They are meaningless gestures and empty habits rather than worship and relationship. Through their religious practices and rituals, they claim they want the day of the Lord to come. But Amos is clear that that would bring judgment, not mercy. Just as we read last week with Richard, as God turned his back on and rejected their practices at the holy sites of Bethel and Gilgal and Beersheba, their religion is holy. It's full of holes. The religious festivals are despised by God. The assemblies are stench. The offerings not accepted. Music, a noise. There's no niceties or politeness from God there. God has no interest in their religion because, as we have encountered time and time again in the book of Amos, their actions in no way match up to it. They are God's people, but they are not behaving like it. They are mistreating and abusing the poor, the vulnerable, and the weak. They're not seeking good. They're not seeking God. The foundations of faith that they are building, using, and misusing are just full of holes. And I wonder if, to some extent, it's a bit like a really, really old jumper. We all have one, right? Crammed in the back of the wardrobe somewhere. You might not want to fess up to it, but I know you have one. It's so full of holes that the word jumper feels a little bit generous. It's the kind of jumper that you would never dream of wearing when someone was round your house. But if you're honest, you wear it more on your own than you'd like to fess up to. You've got it kind of stretched in the right places so it's comfortable. It's cosy. Secretly, you might think it's the best jumper. But if anyone else looks at it, all they see is holes. 
Is that what Israel has done to its religious? Have they stretched it to fit them so it doesn't, in fact, have any of its old shape anymore? The jumper in our analogy is no longer usable. It's no longer fit for purpose, but it is comfortable. Is that what has happened to the religion of Israel? Their religion has gone wrong because they've lost God at the centre and instead are left with just religious habits. Habits that to some extent serve them, but do nothing for God and nothing for others. They're left with festivals, with assemblies, with offerings, with music that are meaningless. What was once a beautiful garment of praise has become an unwearable, holy rag in the sight of God. What about us? As we meet as the people of God, as we live our lives seeking to follow him, do we still have God at the centre? How do we keep our lives as purposeful, beautiful and pleasing garments of praise rather than full of holes? Those questions bring us on quite nicely to our second holy, which we kind of find in verse 26. Verse 26 reads, You have lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you made for yourselves. That is the opposite of holy. Their attentions and their focuses are divided and they are trying to put other things in the place of God. In the shrine, in the pedestal and the star, we see religious imagery and practices being applied to things that simply cannot measure up to them. Not only is their religion full of holes, but it is split and divided attention. I think the two are inextricably linked. As God has been removed from the centre of their religious practices, they have inevitably tried to replace him with other things. Because it's really hard to do something fully when it's full of holes. The idea at this point in the book of Amos of the Israelites being able to wholeheartedly worship God kind of seems as futile as pouring water into a bucket that you know is full of holes. In God's list of rejections of their religious festivals, offerings and songs, it isn't the things themselves that anger him but the lack of heart behind them. A commentator called Smith puts it much better. He says, the missing ingredient in their worship was authenticity manifested in a lifestyle 
of obedience. The Lord's rejection of Israel's worship was due to their rejection of justice and righteousness. Their rejection of dealing with the social concerns of their day. Their hearts have become hard. Their worship, at best, superficial. Something closer to playing dress-up than to lives of wearing garments of praise. But because verse 24 is the hinge and the centre to this passage, what is God looking for? Well, let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. This is a kind of double-edged sword. It is both God's declaration of what will happen as a result of his people turning from him and his justice, but also a rallying cry to refocus their identity to turn their worship and their lives wholly back to him, for them to let justice roll. Justice and righteousness are presented here as not just representative of kind of impending judgment and doom, but as gifts from God that show who he is and who his people can be when they are wholly his. They're not just kind of behavioural goals to mark Israel against in terms of success and failure, but they're gifts that people of God can choose to support and allow to flourish or to obstruct and seek to destroy. The cry from God here is for his people to fully and wholly join him and let justice roll on like a river. This is an invitation for the people of Israel and an invitation for us too. Are we merely playing dress up in our religious practices? taking things out of the toy box and wearing them for a short time, with our eyes firmly fixed on other things? Or are we wholly wearing garments of praise and worship, with our eyes fixed on God? The final holy. The title for this evening was Religion Gone Wrong. I think religion gone wrong here is religion that has lost its centre. Why are the people of Israel, why are we called away from wholly failing religious habits and into wholehearted worship and relationship? Well, because God is holy. In Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible, we talking to Abraham, who will become the founding kind of father of the nation of Israel, we hear God say this, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. The same God who speaks through the prophet Amos 
is described at the end of our passage as the Lord whose name is God Almighty. This is a God of absolute power and authority, who alone bears the weight of holiness. The cry of holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty echoes through the Bible and often through our own worship too. And it is the same God, the same Lord God Almighty who cannot live with the injustices that he is seeing who cannot live with the failing, full-of-holes religion which does not shape the behaviour, the attitude of these people. The same holy God who cannot live with how far they have strayed from the call to walk before him faithfully and be blameless. The holy God must have justice wrong. Then and now. And here we come back to the idea of the river. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. The power of a river in full flood changes everything. It exposes every flaw and crack and hole. It is wholly consuming, mighty, powerful and unstoppable. And just like that river, the power of God's justice and righteousness changes everything and should leave us with the only answer to his judgment and his invitation to join with his justice. Being holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty.